Well, good morning and welcome to Scarlet City Church and our digital worship gathering. My name is Jacob Beach. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the church. And here at Scarlet City, our mission is to be a people joining God's story of transformation and renewal. We're really glad that you're here with us this morning and in the midst of so much unknown, one of the best things that we can do is safely engage God with however we're feeling, whatever we're experiencing, and allow Him to reveal Himself to us. And if you're struggling, whether it's just today or later this week or any time in the next few months, if you're struggling, if you're in need of prayer, if you just want an ear to listen uh, to what you're going through, I know I've said it in uh, many previous weeks, we would love to have you reach out to us uh, even though that we don't have all the answers, we do believe that we worship a God who does, and He is certainly worth uh, engaging during this season. Just a couple of announcements. We are continuing our uh, weekly content schedule as we uh, send out our Sunday morning worship gatherings, as you're watching right now, as well on Monday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. On Mondays is Everyday Order with Pastor Mike. On Wednesdays is story time with Pastor Jacob, that's uh, for kids and families. And then on Thursdays is Let's Talk with Pastor Jay. We also ask that you would consider uh, continuing to give during this season. And if you would like to do that, we also ask that you would go to scarletcitychurch.org uh, to give online as we have had uh, a few security issues with uh, our mail that we are currently remedying. Now, we did, uh, we did start this last week, but uh, one of my favorite parts of what we did last week was having uh, some update messages from a few of our members and longtime attenders, and so we're going to continue doing that in the following week. So we're going to take a few moments now and hear uh, some updates on how people are doing. Hi, Scarlet City family. I'm Emmy Rose Marin. I hope that during this time of the corona team, you've been able to experience encouraging moments from God whether you've been on the receiving end or you've been able to bless someone else's day. I cannot wait for the day that we will all be reunited together as a family in person. But until then, I will be along your side worshiping here virtually. Good morning, Scarlet City. This is J.R. Ramsey, uh, wishing you all a happy Sunday from the entire Ramsey family. Just want to say that we love you. Uh, we miss you. We hope you're all doing well, and we can't wait till we're able to worship with you all in person soon. Have a great day. Hi, Scarlet City. Thanks for tuning in this week. I just want to say this last month has shown me how desperately I need all of you, and I'm so looking forward to seeing everyone on Sunday again. If you do need a bright spot in your week, I'd encourage you to check out Pastor Jacob's story times on Wednesday. It's a great way to spend a morning, no matter your age. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for saying hello. I want to now invite everyone to prepare themselves for worship this morning. Our call to worship comes from Galatians 5, verse 25. Galatians 5, 25. And it goes like this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The simple truth of this passage struck me this week that with this abrupt interruption with all of our normal lives, and this is sort of now becoming the new normal, but this, this interruption uh, in our lives, there's now a new need for us to figure out what it means to keep in step with the Spirit while we live like this. So with that in mind, I want to invite you to pray with me as we begin. 
Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity uh, that technology affords us to uh, engage in a worship gathering, kind of together and kind of not together. Uh, But Lord, ultimately we know that you are with us in the midst of chaos and questions and not necessarily knowing what's going to happen next. Lord, we know that you're there and we know that you call us Uh, to engage with you. You invite us to engage with you. It's a gift uh, from you to us for us to uh, experience you. So Lord, I just pray, um, I just ask you, Lord, we invite you, we invite the Spirit, we ask Holy Spirit that you would speak to us and come to us this morning. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us at Scarlet City Church via our digital worship gathering. For our time of singing, we want to invite you to participate with us in any way that you feel is good for you. That can be standing and singing, it can be sitting and reflecting, it can be uh, cleaning, whatever it is. We do invite that whatever posture you take, however you choose to participate, that it is intentional and thoughtful aid in fully uh, engaging with us as we sing uh, together and fix our eyes and our hearts on God.
It is a healthy practice for us to regularly confess our sins to God. It's not because he doesn't already know all of the details and specifics of what's going on in our lives or even in our heads or in our hearts, but rather it's because he wants us to come to him with our whole selves. And he especially wants us to bring our brokenness, uh, the parts of us that aren't as shiny, he wants us to bring those to him. This morning we're going to join together in confession and assurance. And first comes confession. It's going to be a confession of need. In Psalm 80, chapter 3, the writer calls out to God by saying, Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. So we're going to take a few moments of silence now to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to confess our needs to Him. This season of quarantine has given each of us new experiences, new feelings, and certainly I think that all of us can identify with this desire for restoration. And those feelings, that that desire for restoration, it should encourage us to lean into the neediness that we bring to God, the neediness that we have for Him to bring restoration to not only the world but to our own hearts. So let's take a few moments now to quietly uh, confess our neediness to God. Hear now this assurance of pardon from Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the Psalms, we find painfully honest expressions of fear and frustration and joy and excitement. And this often quoted Psalm chapter 23, it brings us assurance this morning. God brings his comfort to us in difficult times. When we are discouraged, he walks with us. He is present with us. He comforts us. So allow your hearts to dwell on that truth and that encouragement this morning.
Sunday we get the privilege of praying for Ohio State uh, Young Life uh, and uh, Derek Wan who is the director of OSU Young Life is going to share a couple of prayer requests and then we'll pray together for him and the ministry. Hello Scott City Church my name is Derek Wan and I have the privilege of being the Young Life College Director at the Ohio State University. My wife Kelsey and our kids Judah and Karis have loved getting to call Columbus and Scarlet City our home for almost four years now. Thank you so much for praying for us this morning. Please pray for our students, uh, many of whom are hurting and lonely and uh, yeah, just feeling really disconnected in this season. Uh, please pray for our team as we try to reach out and keep them connected through innovation like uh, Zoom small groups and FaceTimes and social distance hangs on front porches. Uh, pray for our staff team of myself and Sarah Kakula uh, as we do our best to seek the Lord first and then guide and direct and steward the team that he has given us. Um, and finally, please, put, please pray for finances. Uh, this is a tough season for many families. 
uh, that is not lost on us. Um, and we know that there's going to, there's already been a few and there's going to be more people who will probably have to stop their monthly giving. Um, but we're trusting the Lord that he would provide for us. So yeah, thank you guys so much for praying. Uh, we miss you. We love you. And we can't wait to be together in person soon. Happy Sunday. Uh, thanks so much for sharing. Uh, Derek, would you please join me in praying for uh, Ohio State Young Life? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great ministry, uh, for all the laborers who are serving in this capacity and all the people uh, that are being served at OSU. We pray for the students who met Jesus uh, on their spring break uh, outreach trip. We pray that they would stay connected via virtual small groups and continue to read their Bible plans with their leaders. We're so thankful for the technology that is aiding us uh, in this time. We pray uh, specifically for uh, OSU Young Life's virtual small group Bible studies and their Thursday night hangouts. We pray that students would continue to engage and participate, that they would feel known, feel loved, and continue to reach out to their friends who are hurting uh, during this season. We pray that you would use these tools to comfort students, to take students deeper in their faith, and continue to build his kingdom. Lord, we pray for the 106 college students who are about to be placed uh, as leaders at Wildlife, which is the middle school ministry, uh, high school, uh, Capernaum, which is the special needs ministry, and Young Life College leaders across the city. We thank you and we praise you for sending so many laborers into this harvest field. We pray for wisdom and discernment and encouragement as they are newly placed during this strange season. And lastly, Lord, we pray for the finances for OSU Young Life. They took a step of faith this year and doubled their full-time staff by hiring uh, Sarah Kakula. We knew that it was gonna be tight, um, but we pray that you would continue to provide the finances, to provide the finances as some donors have stepped out as they are expecting to lose more money as this comes, uh, continues. We pray that you would continue to provide and we pray that we would rest in your sovereignty and your care. Thank you that you are involved with us, engaged with us, and thank you for the ministry of OSU Young Life. We pray that you would continue to bless their endeavors and give them endurance and faithfulness, even in this season. And we pray all this in the name of your Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Scarlet City. My name is Janelle, and I will be reading our passage for this morning. But before I do, I wanted to quickly share two things with you. Firstly, as you know, we've started our new sermon series on Jesus and anxiety. And this morning, we'll be taking a specific look at what Jesus has to say about our money. And I know that this is a, uh, a topic with a lot of things to process. So we wanted to invite you to join us on Thursday at 10 a.m. for our new episode of Let's Talk. Pastor Jay will be having a conversation with Todd Walter. Todd is a, an elder at Scarlet City Church, as well as a partner and financial planner with the Joseph Group. So we'd love to have you join us on Thursday at 10 for that. Secondly, uh, we know that as we walk through this new sermon series and see what Jesus has to say about anxiety, um, that can be tough. So we wanted to let you know of a new email address that Scarlet City Church has established. It's care at scarletcitychurch.org. 
If you are someone who is struggling with anxiety or uh, just wants to talk more about that, we would absolutely love to hear from you. We would love to process with you, pray with you, point you to some resources, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, so please feel free to reach out through that email address, care at scarletcitychurch.org. Well, I want to invite you to open your Bibles this morning. Our scripture is Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and devouring insects destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and devouring insects do not destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If then your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is diseased, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word of God for people of God. Well, thank you, Janelle. As Janelle mentioned last week, we began the sermon series that we've titled Jesus and Anxiety, looking at Matthew chapter 6 and 7 and considering how we can flourish in an anxious world. And in the coronavirus pandemic, anxiety is incredibly heightened. We see it medically in the questions around uh, social distancing. We also see it economically. In fact, the Pew Research Center just released two days ago findings, and they said that 43% of Americans have reported either losing their job or having to take a pay cut. Of that 43%, 28% of people reported losing their jobs and 18 or 15% have reported taking cuts. There's an incredible amount of anxiety and worry, rightfully so, around some of the economic impact that the restrictions are having on our world. But anxiety around money and the economy is nothing new. In fact, just last year, in 2019, the American Psychological Association reported that the number one stressor in Americans, among Americans, was money. 72% of adults reported money being a source of stress in their life. And that was during a time of economic flourishing in our country and prosperity. And the, the and money being a source of stress cut across socioeconomic lives. Um, so whether one was poor, middle class, or wealthy, all reported money being a source of stress. And this is important as we consider our relationship to money and finances because one would think there would be a correlation between uh, increase, an increase in money and wealth and a decrease in emotional anxiety around it. And yet, that is not the case. We find as our financial and material resources increase, there's not necessarily a decrease in it being a stress in our life. In fact, with the increase of wealth come, the, come an increase in other forms of anxiety around money. And so, what do we do? What this reveals is that money for many of us, isn't just about money. The material possessions aren't just about the material possessions. 
but they're connected in a very, very powerful way to our heart and our emotional center. One very gifted American author, uh, Daniel Foster Wallace, was speaking to at Kenyon College to graduates at their graduation ceremony, and he spoke about what happens when we put ourselves at the center of our resources and world. And I think his take on this of connecting what we're looking for, our search, our desires in life to the realities that we're experiencing was very, is very profound. So let's listen to his take, what he says at this, uh, this commencement speech to college graduates. He says, In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need more, even more, ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect. Being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It's that they're unconscious. They operate at the unconscious level. And he goes on. He says, The so-called real world will not discourage you from operating on your default settings because the so-called real world of men and money and power hums merrily along in a pool of fear and anger and frustration and craving and worship of self. Our own present culture has harnessed these forces in ways that have yielded extraordinary wealth and comfort and personal freedom. The freedom all to be lords of our own tiny, skull-sized kingdoms, alone at the center of all creation. What Wallace is getting to is the unconscious operation where we worship and desire things that are shaped by our cultural pressures that bring us to desire beauty and money, and resources, not so we can be connected to others, but so that we can be have the freedom to live and be lords of our own, as he says, skull-sized kingdoms. Keyword alone. He speaks to the real heart of the issue, and that money and beauty and power aren't about just money and beauty and power. They're about the heart and what we desire This has been the message of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He is routinely taking us back to the heart and how that motivates our behavior and actions. And that if we want to be whole people, 
If we want to love others well, if we want to flourish, we need to be willing to do some heart surgery. We need to be willing to pull back and see what does our heart reveal about our desires in life. It's why in our passage, Jesus says, do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he astutely connects what treasure means. He says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do we treasure? This morning, we're going to contrast when material possessions and money has our heart's treasure, when that's what we long for, what it leads to, and when Christ and the gospel is our heart's treasure, what that leads to. <clears throat> How we can have a sense of, move from a sense of anxiety around money to being free and liberated, to be generous, loving, whole people. And that's what I hope. In this pandemic situation, it's tempting to think, if we can just get past all this, if we can get past the economic impact, if we can get past the medical uncertainties. But friends, if what we're getting back to is just anxious, self-centered living, 72% last year of Americans reported money being a source of stress. What if on the other end, we can learn how to be whole people? And rather than going back to self-centered living as it relates to our money, we are empowered to be gracious, loving, generous people. Let's look, contrasting what greed and materialism leads to, the love of money, and what the gospel leads to. First, what materialism does, what the love of money leads to, there's two things I want to highlight. First, the love of money blinds us to our greed. It prevents us from seeing clearly. Jesus puts it this way in verse 22. In the middle of talking about our treasure, he, he goes to how we see. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If then your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is diseased, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What Jesus is saying here is, is quite simple. If your eye is healthy, if you see properly, you're able to live, your body is able to live in response to the light, to what you see. But if you see distortedly, if you can't see at all, then you can't adjust. You can't make wise decisions about how you live and use your resources. And another occasion in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, which is another form of greed. Take, card, uh, take care, be on your guard against greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Think about it. Jesus, he doesn't need to say, be on guard against idolatry. When you've committed adultery, when you uh, sleep with someone who's not your spouse, you don't wake up and think, oh, you're not my spouse. You, you clearly knew. But greed operates much differently in the same way that Wallace said it on the unconscious level. We can always rationalize and compare ourselves to others we think are more greedy when it comes to how we use our material resources. Greed, in a sense, is one of those sins that can blind us to its very presence in our life. There's always someone greedier, 
There's always someone using their money in ways we never would. And so we rationalize our self-centered approach to our money and possessions. Now, when we think of being blinded, you know, when you go to kids' birthday parties, sometimes being blinded can be fun. You know, one kid birthday uh, party game is called Pin the Tail on the Donkey, where you're blindfolded and you go and you just stick a donkey tail on the end of the donkey. And let's be honest, that's kind of a lame game if that was your thing on your birthdays growing up. I don't know who really does that. But one, a fun blindfold game is uh, hitting the pinata. And you have this, this uh, idol of sorts with candy in it. And you give someone a bat and you put a blindfold on and you spin them around and they're wailing that bat around trying to hit the, hit the pinata and bring forth candy that rains down so you can get it. Now, it would be a little weird if you did the pinata thing without a blindfold on. You know, just adults just wailing. I can just imagine kids or adults just wailing on it to get candy. You know, there's easier ways to just get candy. But having a blindfold on, some things can be fun and make it interesting. Now, there's other things you don't want to have a blindfold on. Driving a car. That would be a very, very unwise decision. It would not be fun. If you're with your friends, you're like, hey, I have an idea. Why don't we drive and we'll put a blindfold on you, the driver, and see what happens. It, it won't end well. You don't want to drive a car and make the decisions of how to operate that vehicle when you cannot see clearly. When it comes to making big decisions in life, you don't want to be blindfolded. You want to see clearly when it comes to making big choices in life. And Jesus reminds us that greed can blind us. It can prevent us from seeing clearly. And what happens is once we begin to pull the blinders off and look internally at the heart, we see what it reveals. That when we begin to step back and ask hard questions of what am I searching for in life in light of my spending habits, it can lead us to understand another thing that materialism does. And materialism, the love of money, it can lead to discontentment. When we're loving money and what we hope money will provide, it never brings enough. Again, thinking of money as our treasure that there's our heart, there's a spiritual desire that we bring to our money and possessions. In verse 24, Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. See, we're all serving someone. And when we serve money, what does it do? Looking at the heart, one of the things we want from money is we want satisfaction. We want comfort. We want things. We, we have an image of life. We have an image of happiness and wholeness. If we get that car, have that vacation, uh, have this home with these amenities, this new phone, if we get these nice things, then we'll find satisfaction. And so we're searching for satisfaction in our possessions and the things we get, we get. Others of us are searching for security. We want to feel safe. In fact, what we call things that hold our money and prized possessions is a safe. There we will find if it can be safe from others taking it, then we'll have security. We even call certain investments securities. This idea that if we 
if we are able to save and spend our money wisely, if we do it right, then we will be secure. And Jesus reminds us as a wise sage that treasures on earth is where moth and rust will destroy. There's no lasting security in our money and possessions. Others of us are looking for status. It's not so much the satisfaction of of enjoying these or even the security of having enough money in the bank account. We want to have more and nicer things than others. We want to have more in the bank account than other people. It's a source of status in our life. Um, And and Time Magazine wrote about this. They they asked the question, why, when someone increases in their financial prosperity, it is not accompanied with an increase in happiness? And here's what they found. It's tied to to status. They say, to understand why, researchers at the University of Warwick and Cardiff University decided to break down how individual people evaluate their income and what does wealth mean to people. Previous work has suggested that people tend to value their own wealth more and are happier when it compares favorably to everyone else's. Do you see that? When they think that they're making more than other people, then they view themselves as happier. The so-called reference income hypothesis holds that it's not simply how much money you make that contributes to satisfaction, but how much more money you make than, say, the national average. The higher your salary than the norm, the happier you tend to be. That could explain in part why populations as as a whole do not experience sunnier dispositions with economic growth since a majority of individuals may not fall above the national income average. They, they point to that we are social creatures and we can't help but put ourselves somewhere on the hierarchy. And when we feel higher up, we're prone to have a little more satisfaction. It's about status. And you see, this is what money does. It, it's not just about the money, but it's a search for satisfaction. It's a search for security. It's a search for status a spiritual desire to compare ourselves and be better than others. And it breeds a sense of anxiety as it relates to money. It becomes our master and a master that does not empower others-centered living, but roots ourselves at the center, leading to selfishness and an anxious spirit. And so how can we have some healing? What what does the gospel lead to when Christ becomes our treasure? What what happens? First, we see that the gospel reveals. It allows us to see life differently. The gospel reveals the internal treasure of God's inheritance and love. The gospel reveals the good news of Jesus and who he is and what he's done on our behalf and the satisfaction and security, and status that that brings in our life. In Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus gives a parable describing what we're searching for in life. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Jesus is getting at the true force of the gospel, the true force and goodness of the kingdom that when we understand, when we understand its significance, it can become our our heart's true treasure. 
And so how, how can it take that significance? Here's how. When you look at Jesus and you see that Jesus had all the beauty, all the wealth, all the power, and yet he gave it up. He gave, he gave it up because there's something he treasured more. What did he treasure? Why would he give it up? First Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And the term possession there means treasure. That you are what God treasures most. That Jesus was willing to give up the beauty, the power, and the prestige, entering into the world, giving his life, enduring pain and suffering and rejection in order to purchase you for God. When we look at that sacrifice, the nature of that love, that God doesn't just lecture us about generosity, that God doesn't just lecture us about loving other people, but he embodies it in the fullest extent by sending his son into the world so that we could be united with him. That now, no longer, the gospel, it, reve- it enables us to see our life no longer as a pursuit of satisfaction in trinkets and things, but we can find our satisfaction and the creator of everything in his presence. Now we are enabled to look at life and rather than seeking security in stuff that will be gone, in stuff that is temporary where moth and rust destroy, our security is stored in heaven. And there is an eternal future for those who are in Christ. And rather than seeking our status on having more money than the other person and this kind of middle school game that we never get past, wondering how we measure up on the popularity spectrum. When the gospel becomes our good news, we live and rest in the truth that we are treasured, not just tolerated, but treasured by God. That he made you and me and us and has been about the relentless pursuit of bringing us into his family. That you aren't tolerated by God as some boss might tolerate a person, but you are loved and protected and wanted. And then that truth, it gives us a new lens to view things, and then we're empowered. Now we enter into life where money no longer has a hold over our heart. Where money isn't the source of all the things we cherish, but money becomes about money. Money is no longer an object of our worship. But money frees us. But Christ, the gospel, frees us, liberates us to view money as just a tool to love and care for others. Again, in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Do you see? Jesus, 15% of his teachings were around money. He knows the temptation that money can have on our heart. When God becomes your treasure, when he becomes your master, 
Now you begin to treasure what God loves. Now you, be, you begin to see your whole framework of life open up. And now success in the kingdom of man, success is getting possessions, getting power, getting beauty and money for self. And in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, love your enemy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus says money, beauty, power are a means of channeling for the protection and care and flourishing of all, not just yourself. And we're empowered to be joyful givers, not, not motivated by shame. Well, I guess we should do the right thing. No, we're our heart's free to delight in what God delights in. It changes our whole view of success. Now our bank account isn't just a means of our security or our means of status, but now our bank account, when Jesus is our marker of success, now it becomes a source to channel and steward for the care and protection of others. And as we move to a close here, I want to, first of all, I want to thank you, Scarlet City. I want to thank you for your generosity. Recently, we asked you to give to the COVID-19 Relief Fund, and we've already raised $10,000 money that will go to care and help people in need who are impacted economically in this season. So thank you for your generosity, and I'm sure that will continue to grow and increase. But also, again, as we think about the other end of the coronavirus pandemic, when the economy recovers. We know there will be lasting effects, and we hope it recovers in some ways. But if that recovery, on the other end, is that we are dominated by financial worry, and our bank account reveals that our money, our spending habits are predominantly just about ourselves, I think it will be a loss. Let's allow this season to reorient the priorities of our heart and let's allow God's word to shape our life and perspective to such a degree that we're liberated. We're liberated from the system that says your satisfaction, your security, your status comes from money. And we're able to live wise, gracious, empowered lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to close our time in prayer, and I'm going to offer a short prayer, and then we want to give you space. We want to give you a moment to just quietly reflect. You're you're free to pray in that time, or you can just ponder and think about the good news of the gospel. We're going to close our time now in some prayer. Father, thank you for being a generous God. You are a giver, a giver of life, A giver of things you've placed us in this world and you have provided food and resources. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. And God, may we reflect your generosity in the world. May we be givers. May we be people who seek to find ways to use what you've provided for others rather than seeking to find ways to use it for ourselves. Liberate us from this system that produces anxiety and puts ourselves at the center. May we put you at the center and be free. Freedom, God, that's what we pray for.
Friends, receive this benediction. Consider putting your hands in a posture of receiving as we hear this blessing. As we close out our time, may you know the hope to which God has called you. Experience the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Entrust his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. May God bless you.